passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, something we normally would do after the game. It's a postgame podcast, for heaven's sakes. But here we are on Sunday, regathered. Tim Fitzgerald and Cole Carmody here in the Cats and Dogs studio as we're going to talk about Missouri's incredible 30-29 uh, to 29 victory. That was 30-27. No, to 27. I totally forgot the score. That's the kind of day I had. You know me, I'm fully transparent. I have shared everything with you about my journey with stage 4 metastatic prostate cancer, and yesterday was a rough one. I ran out of energy. And when I say run out of energy, I don't mean mentally as much as physically. It's literally like having a bad phone battery and it gets to 30% and then boom, it's zero. And that's what I was. As I left postgame, I was feeling fine, but I guess the whole process of getting to the stadium, which is a whole different story. Mm -hmm. I've taken plenty of abuse from Missouri fans who don't seem to care that it's cancer related. Mm -hmm. Then you climb through the stadium to go across the field, fighting crowds, and I got to say this, Missouri fans that were on the field that we had a cut through were great. They were mm-hmm. having a blast. Mm-hmm. I'm not being critical of any of that. It was just the physical exhaustion. And then when I hit the stairs to go back up through the stadium to get to the press box, Cole had to wait on me because big pop, I hit the wall and it was not pretty. So here we are. We got home safely, even though I almost wrecked the car. That's a different story, too. Never had an accident in my life that I've caused, but boy, that about came to an end. But we're here in the studio here on Sunday morning to talk about uh, a really disappointing game for Kansas State. In that, 
Kansas State Cole clearly did not put its A game on the field. And the coaches didn't put their A game on the field in any way. Playing against a Missouri team that had loaded up for this, this appeared to be their Super Bowl. And a quarterback that has not shown on the game field what he showed against Kansas State. Some horrendous coaching from Missouri. I plan on doing a daily delivery about the end of the game and what a fiasco it was. And both coaching staff should be embarrassed. But Missouri found a way to win on a remarkable 61-yard field goal to win the game. Absolutely amazing. But, but. If he had missed that field goal, Cole, <laughs> if he had left it short and Phillip Brooks had caught it and returned it for a touchdown, you know what would happen? It wouldn't have counted. It wouldn't have counted. Why? Because they sent Phillip Brooks onto the field in field goal block unit. Where he no- normally isn't on that unit, but they put him back to return. He wears number eight. Will Lee, also number eight, was apparently also on the field. And the referee under the goalpost dropped a flag for two players wearing the same number. Could you imagine if that field goal would have gone wide right and they missed it and everybody would be thinking that the game's headed to overtime and then he gets another chance at it? Closer, five yards closer. After being backed up five yards from his own coach's incompetence, and I've never seen anything like that, where yeah. they spiked the ball and then just had a mass hallucination that it was a timeout when they yeah. had no timeouts. I think, well, and I think K-State needs to be, there needs to be some blame put on K-State for that too, because if you go back and you look at that, at least from our perspective, the K-State coaches were halfway out on the field too. So Missouri coaches are out close to the numbers. K-State coaches are out close to the numbers. And the officials just stood there and were like, okay, we'll just let these coaches, like that doesn't work like that. Like what happens if, you know, Mizzou decides they want to run out there with their offense and throw a last second Hail Mary and K-State's coaches are all out onto the field, yeah. right? Like, so I, I put some blame on the staff for that. And, and, you know, we probably should have asked Chris Klein in this um, after the game, but I don't think anybody, any of us recognized that there had been a flag thrown on that play. I didn't know until I got back to the press box. I mean, all, if you watch the TV broadcast, they clearly have flags everywhere and the announcers made um, a comment about it, but we didn't get the TV broadcast um, in the press box. I, I would be curious to see and just ask Coach Kleiman, and, and maybe this is a Tuesday question, uh, where, you, you know, do they practice that? Because if you don't practice that return with that specific personnel, don't implement it. Because so many things can go wrong, like went wrong, where you put too many people on the field with the same number. I've, I've never seen that happen before. But, you know, you have to give credit where credit is due. You mentioned Brady Cook. 23 of 35 for 356 yards. We were talking about it at the beginning of the podcast, but Eli Drinkwitz, after the game, I was a little surprised because uh, instead of, and he did talk about how great the atmosphere was, but he also called out his own fans, which if you've been listening to us throughout the week, the, not surprised. The Missouri fan base has been very fired up for this game. Um, there was a, a very, very loud um, booing coming from the stands at that quarterback when Brady Cook was announced as a starting quarterback. It didn't sit well with Drinkwitz, and he called him out after the game. But Brady Cook played one hell of a game, and for all we want to talk about Luther Burden getting three yards in Manhattan, 
last year, seven catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns. He was the best player on the field, and that will be the best receiver that K-State faces all year. Could. Texas has got some very good ones. Xavier Worthy's very good, but they're in the same class. Yeah. Luther Burden was absolutely fabulous, and here's the stat line that I want you to understand. Well, they targeted him 11 times and Theo Weiss 11 times. Burden with seven catches, Weiss with six. Burden 114 yards, Weiss with 72. Yards after catch. Burden had 114 yards in receiving, 84 that on seven catches came after the catch. So basically, Cole, he averaged slightly more than four yards per catch if they tackle him immediately. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. That's remarkable because they took some deep shots. I'm just stunned. That's just amazing. And that just talks about his game change and speed. I think that has uh, people want to talk about the secondary, and and I get that. They had the one bust, but I actually thought the secondary played pretty good defending the pass, but it was the tackling them once they get the ball. Yeah. I mean, you think about that touchdown at the end of the game where there could have been a hold potentially um, on that near sideline from our view in the press box. Uh, The guy catches it, goes around the edge, scores a touchdown. Um, That obviously uh, ties the game up. Yeah, you 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 feel like if you're a K-State fan, there was a lot of plays that were left out there, but then you look at the final score and for how bad you feel like you played if you're K-State, you lost by 3 on a 61-yard field goal. In a road game at an SEC environment, that was crazy. That's kind of the vibe I got from Chris Kleiman after the game. He was like, "You know, we as coaches coached bad." He didn't come out and say that, but I think when he reviews oh, the he, film, yeah, he'll know. He'll, that he He'll believe that. That's why he said, you know, the players played great. Do they play great? I don't know about that, but they played well. Um, But when you throw all these factors in, on top of Will Howard essentially being on one leg, which I'm sure we'll get into that here in a second, to only lose on a 61-yard field goal and really have the game in hand in the second half. I mean, they dominated the game in the second half. If you just watch that game and you take the score bug away – K-State physically dominated Missouri, and they physically dominated them throughout the game. Now, on the offensive line, were there struggles in the first half? Absolutely. Of course there were. I thought they played much better in the second half. They started to figure it out a little bit, and Chris Kleiman said after the game they'll get Christian Duffy back next week, which I think is big. But, yeah, I, I don't think this loss is as bad as the fan base makes it out to be. I'm an enormous Colin Klein fan. Uh, But I think Missouri did a masterful job of doing things defensively that junked most of his game plan. They forced K-State to be in two tight ends quite a bit, uh, in part because they want Ben Sennett as a receiver. Um, So they brought in Will Swanson to be more of a protection guy uh, and then threw to him in a really strange time. I didn't understand that at all. Missouri did a really nice job with containing the running backs. Um, Treshawn Ward ended up with 10 carries for 54. DJ Giddens, 9 carries for 36. They averaged 5.4 and 4 yards per carry. It's not bad. I mean, it's really not bad. And combined, you know, they end up with 90 yards combined. And you throw Avery Johnson into that mix as well? That's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Avery Johnson carried the ball four times for 24 yards. He averaged six yards a carry. And every one of those had a feeling like, He's one block away from something. 
he came out in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, one of the last possessions, and ran the ball on first and second down, put him in third and short, and they took him off the field, and the K-State didn't convert. That was overcoaching. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple, stupid. Avery Johnson is working it. He, he's he got a limited playbook that he's running with with this, you know, double back set, and let him do it. Until Missouri proves they can stop it, let him go up the field. And I knew I wanted that without fully realizing how bad Will Howard's injury was. Are you in the impression it's a knee or an ankle? It looked like an ankle. The way he was hobbling around out there. On the field, I thought it was an ankle. Mm -hmm. In postgame, I thought it was a knee Mm -hmm. because in a weird, the team had to come downstairs, concrete stairs and cleats to go to the field, which is weird. Yeah. And I think that's, I I just want to. I'm a great conspiracy theorist. I think that's on purpose. I mean, that mm-hmm. is kind of breaks you slip. Your, yeah, yeah, breaks your momentum. Your it, it's kind of brilliant, actually. Um, but you know, he comes down post game to talk to us, which I admire him for being injured, losing a game, and showing up for media. I mean, that's the kind of guy Will mm-hmm. Howard is. But when he's coming down the stairs, I'm like, his knee's locked. His, it's his knee. So we're still unclear about what it is. I'm going to be surprised if he plays Saturday against me himself. too. I think it's going to be a lingering thing, uh, and I think they're going to shut him down for UCF because then it goes into the off week before you go to Oklahoma State, correct? Yep, and and here's where I'm at on that situation. I don't think Will Howard needs to play the next two games for K-State to win. No, I'd agree. And, and it's not because UCF is a bad team. Oklahoma State's bad. They're bad. They are horrible right now. I don't know what's going on there. They are horrible. That's a, t- that's a story for another day, but – if you have Avery Johnson against that UCF team, first of all, they haven't seen the speed that Avery Johnson right. has. That that not very many teams have at the quarterback position, but they haven't. Okay. Second of all, that is a team who really has not been pushed at all in the non-conference. They haven't played a Big 12 team yet. This is their Big 12 opener under the lights uh, in Manhattan, Kansas. The spread right now is six and a half. I actually think it's going to go lower, especially if, you know, rumors of Will Howard maybe not playing. If that starts to get out there, I bet the spread finishes around four for K-State. But, I mean, I early, early indications, I would think K-State can win that game with Avery Johnson at quarterback. And I honestly think if Will Howard can play, if there's a slight chance he plays, you you go 60-40 or 70-30 Avery Johnson in practice and just give the reps to Avery because even if Will can play, it was obvious that they didn't feel comfortable with Avery running the full playbook because every time Avery Johnson was in the game, a one-legged Will Howard was out at receiver. It made no no sense. sense. It made no sense. sense. Not only is he not a threat, but – you can replace him with a receiver. It's not like Avery Johnson's a running back. Avery Johnson is a quarterback. He, a lot of people think, throws the ball better than he runs the ball. So there's no reason why if Will Howard is gimping around, he needs to be out there in that situation. A healthy Will Howard, sure, I get that. But a gimpy Will Howard, that didn't make any sense to me. So I think you're right. Even if Will can play, You've got to kind of start to give it to Avery a little bit just because if you do get into a situation like that, you have to feel comfortable that Avery Johnson can go in and get you a first down. I firmly believe, Fitz, if they would have kept Avery in on that last drive when Will is hobbling around, K-State wins that game. I agree. They win that game if they just give it to Avery. And that has nothing – that's not any knock on Will. I still think this team was better with Will Howard. 
for this year. Right. It is. But they win that game because Avery is able to run and he's able to throw. It's about matchups. It's about who's healthy, who can play. Cole, do you think in any way that the coaches are concerned if we unleash Avery and he's a hero to win the game, we've got a distraction for the rest of the year because the fans will all want Avery because they love Avery? Do you think there's any cautionary actions taken with that? I felt like they limited Avery. They did. Too severely in that game. You put stuff in, that stuff worked, and you did it four times. Four, four times. I think he played six or seven plays, handed it off two or three other times. Right. Four, four times Avery Johnson ran the ball. And Chris Kleiman said after the game, he's one of our best football players. He didn't say athletes. No, so here's the thing. That is, was interesting. They clearly don't trust him yet in that type of high-pressure situation to read defenses, pre-snap, get into the right plays. I get that. He's a true freshman. He's still learning. But his post-snap instincts are such that they trust him to run read options which while he was running, read, reading the defense on the fly, which he's marvelous mm-hmm. at. Uh, he made some you know, misjudgments. <clears throat> I think he was a little shy at first that I'm coming in here, I'm going to hand it off, I don't want to just carry it. And he, I think he actually made some bad decisions there early. But they trust him to read post-snap. Just let him do that. But in a variety of ways, but just let him do that. You know, roll them out, and here's here's your two receivers. And if it's not there, get the hell out. Just run. Mm-hmm. Man, I it was a frustrating day. It was, and you know, but I, I don't want any of this to take away from what I thought was an extremely well prepared yes. Missouri team. That's the best Missouri's played under Eli Drinkwitz. If you've paid attention, and I I know Missouri fans, I have some family who are Missouri fans, so Whoa! I. What? I know. They were actually at that game. I told my uncle that he was not allowed to bring his son if he was going to wear gold. But unfortunately, my grandpa dropped the ball and drove them and let them wear black and gold. So that's another story for a different day. Um, but that's the best they've ever played under Drinkwitz. I, I want to tell folks, too, when you look at the rushing statistics, K-State's rushing defense is one of the best rushing defenses in the country. Yes, did they give up some big plays through the air? Of course, they gave up 356 yards rush or 356 yards passing. They gave up 74 rushing yards to Missouri. Missouri rushed it at a 2.6 yards per carry clip. Brother, they gave up 74 total yards and 58 came on one run. Yeah. Just the same as last week. They held them to 16 yards on 27 carries and one went for 58. It was a remarkable. This defensive front's really good. Um, but the the whole thing didn't come together. When the front was good, the back was bad. When the back was good, the front was bad. Uh, I don't know. At the end of the day, I'll say this. I think K-State got beat overall at the point of attack. I thought Missouri did a really good job defensively of dictating what K-State could and couldn't do offensively. They put Will Howard in positions where... He had to run the ball, and apparently he injured himself. We don't know when the injury happened. I, I, it was I a mystery. Yeah. We just I got a text that the team doctor was looking at Will, which was the opposite sideline from us, and we couldn't see anything over there. And sure enough, there was something horribly wrong going on with Will, and they still played him. He's a warrior, though, man. Like, uh, if there's one thing about Will Howard, that's the one thing I, I, I've come to learn about Will. And for folks who aren't around him, he is, I mean, just you listen to his interviews, you know, the, the podcast he's done with, you know, the local media, like, the kid 
he he loves K State and he is willing to do anything that it takes for his team to be successful. And if that means he's going to go out there and play second fiddle and be a receiver, he's probably out there wanting them to throw the, him the ball. Like I guarantee you, Will went out there and was like, "All right, throw me the ball. I'm going to make this guy miss." Knowing damn well. He can't make anybody miss right now. There was a play where he had to step up in the pocket and get like five or six yards, and there was no hesitation. He was always going to go for it. And so he is he is the definition of K-State. That is Will Howard. Well, that scramble he had when a healthy Will Howard turns it upfield and gets a first down, he was being pursued, and he just went to a slide because whatever was wrong wasn't working. Mm-hmm. I mean – yeah, I've always had you know people point out that, are you hurt? Well, yeah, I'm hurt. We're all hurt. We hurt. But I'm not injured. I can physically perform. I think he not only played through the hurt, he played through the injury. Mm-hmm. I don't think he should have been on the field at that point. I think it became very clear that if he can't do the things we need him to do, which was pick up a first down on that play, which he could have if even a little bit more healthy, then they should have probably taken him off. But uh, all that said, I, I, I got to say this before we go to break. Um, this K-State team is going to be fine, folks. Everything that got exposed on Saturday, uh, whether it was Marquis Siegel having incredible struggles at times at free safety or the tackling on the back end that allowed, you know, a hyper athlete like Luther Burden just to run free. Uh, watching him sift through a defense, um, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for being fast, being athletic, but having that field vision where you sift through the defense, cut back across the grain to break free, or you have the mathematics in your head, the geometry to know if I turn it on right here, VJ Payne ain't running me down from the angle he's taking. Mm-hmm. And that turned into a long touchdown. You mentioned the hold that, you know, I'd like to go back and see it, but that was a pretty long sustained block. That it was. doesn't make sense. I'm it just going to stand here with an ability to move away, but I'm not going to. Um, so, but it's, uh, it was, it was beautiful to watch if you're just a football connoisseur mm-hmm. what luther burden did well, we're going to take a little break here on the powercat postgame podcast our sunday review of uh k-state losing at missouri 30 to 27 and on the other side we'll continue this discussion look down the road a little bit but first a reminder that the insiders will be live monday at 1 30 p.m on youtube on you know vr stream yard i think you can watch it on twitter at least i'm linking it there um but uh Come check that out. Brian Hanley, Glenn Kinley, and Tim Everson. Um, the last two there were there. And, of course, Brian is in Texas and watches every K-State game, which actually is in a huge advantage in a game like this when in the press box you're not getting any replays. You're mm-hmm. better off being at home. Um, so we'll have that. We'll be live one thirty. You can always watch the, the reruns on YouTube or uh, at Go Power Cap. Next week with the Insiders, because of some medical scheduling, I got to work around something really cool. In one week from Monday, so tomorrow we'll be at 1.30, but one week away, we'll have the Insiders in primetime on Monday night uh, as we have a 7 p.m. show because i got to be in Kansas City to talk with a cancer doctor about cancer. Fun times. We'll be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the power cat podcast welcome back to the power cat post game podcast tim fitzgerald cole carmody right here in our studio as i mentioned at the top this is something normally we do post game but we kind of Took a breath. We had to drive home, four hours drive, uh, and get home, and we were all exhausted. So Cole and I decided to do it this morning. It was mostly because of me, uh, but uh, so be it. Uh, typically, these will be after the game. Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, we have an odd 7 p.m. Mm. kickoff. Usually, the night games are at 6, so we won't even be leaving the stadium. Mm. Don't tell me. I don't want. I don't want to talk about it. I'll be pushing midnight. Yeah, I don't want to talk. I don't. I, no, no, we're not talking about. But it. the good news, Cole, is going to Aggieville will just be off the plate <laughs> at that point for you. So we can just come That's over true. here and do this. Unless I, I am again absolutely exhausted. But we'll try to get this in on Saturday night. And let's be honest. If it's a K State victory, you guys want to hear about it. And honestly, after a loss, we do kind of change how we put stuff up on the site because um, you, you just don't want to look at it or you know, see it anytime soon. So this is actually working out. Okay. Kansas state loses 30 to 27 at Columbia, a great environment. And Cole, I want to start uh, with this. Now the game was a sellout uh, and it was a great crowd. It was their first sellout in what, five years, their first non-conference sellout in like 10 years, 2012, 2012. Incredible. Um, and you know, that's cool. I mean, that, that says a lot about K state mm-hmm. and we kind of, you know, would, would flip Missouri, crap through the week that took K-State to do this. I'm, I'm going to be really honest here. I was disappointed in the K-State crowd. There was one section that was all purple, which was that part That part of the crowd was impressive. And I thought the far side, there was a decent amount of purple. But then when you kind of looked under the press box and you're like, oh, there is a lot of black and gold there. Now, the game would not have been sold out without K-State. I, I, I do believe that. If this was an 11 a.m. kickoff against Middle Tennessee... Yeah. That game's not sold out. I agree with all that. I mean, the game clearly meant something to the fans. It stormed the field, for God's sakes. Part of it was the drama of the ending. Yeah. But if it's Middle Tennessee and you kick a winning field goal, you don't care. No. You're like, okay, the guy's bailed out. Let's get out of here. It clearly meant a lot to the fans. And mm-hmm. that's what my DD, my daily delivery, I'm going to record as soon as we're done with this, will be about 
exactly that. This series needs to continue. But back to my point with the crowd. I was hearing predictions that it was going to be a fourth K-State fan. Mm-mm. So what was what was the attendance? 62? Yes. Why can't I find it, Cole? 62621. That's kind of a nice capacity. 62621. There wasn't 6,000 K-State fans there. <laughs> there wasn't 10%. No. So I'm not here criticizing K-State I fans. Think it's, I think it's more of Missouri fans. Right. We underestimated yes. the passion Missouri fans had for this game. And maybe there was an inability to get tickets because of that passion. So actually, I'm not really criticizing K-State fans here. It might sound like that. I'm complimenting, complimenting Missouri fans for an incredible turnout, the passion with which they showed. Now, I, I say this, <clears throat> in all honesty, Missouri fans go too far. I mean, some of the tweets I've received are just disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, won't, I mean, it's just unbelievable. But there's a difference between keyboard warriors and actual passionate fans. Right. I think that's something in this business we kind of get blindsided by sometimes. There's a lot of people in that stadium who treated K-State fans really well. Yep. Now, is there a segment of the fan base that gets behind a screen on social media and says some horrible things? 100%. I think I know you've dealt with that. There were people that were in my mentions this week, and that never happens. I don't have the social media, you know, pretension to have that happen. But Mizzou fans found it, and they were just trying to, you know, use the the people who bring the games to the fans as a way to get at the fan base. Right, and K State has them too. Mm-hmm. We know that. Agreed. And there was a lot of swapping back and forth between K-State and Missouri fans, which is part of fandom. But, boy, when you just started attacking media, it got a little ugly. Anyhow, uh, but good job, Missouri fans, on the incredible turnout, incredible atmosphere. I want to see it again. I don't know that I'll go back again. Would Gene and, and Taylor I, do it again? <clears throat> I don't know. That's a great question. They have openings on this schedule now um, because of the merger with so many of the Pac-12 schools. They still have Washington State on that schedule. They're obviously going to have to reschedule Colorado. They're going to use Arizona for two years as a non-conference game, meaning they'll not play Arizona actually in a conference game. Some idiots out there, so they're going to play twice? No, you don't play everyone in your conference when you got 16 damn teams. That would be 15 games. You, you, you play three teams every year, which for K-State I think will be Colorado, Iowa State, and Kansas. I regret that it's not Oklahoma State, but mm-hmm. so be it. And then you play, that leaves you 12 teams. You play six of them for two years, and then you play the other six of them for two years, and you play everyone every four years. It's great scheduling. So they'll just skip Arizona the first two years. They'll play them non-conference. But they have Colorado on that schedule, and they're not going to leave that as a non-conference. You can't leave mm-hmm. that as a non-conference schedule. When you're three years into the new conference, you've got to have it rebooked. Now, I think they can easily just move Washington State up into the next slots. Poor Washington State has no mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, maybe you do that with Oregon State, too. Say, hey, we'd love to schedule you. Now, there's more rumors that they're coming to the Big 12. I don't buy any of that. Um, so, I, I say yes. If Missouri has openings, and I know nothing about their schedule. I have not got on the future schedules and looked that up. But I would love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. This game meant a lot, as did last year's game in Manhattan, to both fan bases. And what I love about it is those students in the stands that stormed the field, 
some of them weren't even teenagers when Missouri left the Big 12 to go to the SEC. They know almost nothing about this rivalry. They know it through social media. That's how they know the rivalry. And you know what? Because you have all the Kansas City kids have so many overlapping friends, that adds heat to the rivalry mm-hmm. too. So it, I, I loved it. I hope they do it again. Um, <clears throat> Mizzou is playing Kansas in 25 and 26. I forgot about that. That's right. I just retweeted something from yes. Lance Leipold about that. Um, yeah, I just think it's great. They should... They should be rotating KU and, and K-State as their non-conference. At, do, what's their FBS game or, the, excuse me, their Power 5 game after that? Do, can you see that? Illinois. Well, that's another one they need to play. However, however, you know, this is all subject to change. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be real. There, I just – I don't buy that the NCAA is going to let the SEC continue to have four non-conference games – and three cupcakes. I mean, they're playing in 2028 San Diego State, Southeast Missouri State, and Northern Illinois, along with Illinois. That's crap. That's horrible. It's, it's, it's total crap from the SEC. And this year might catch up to them because they're having problems in their non-conference schedule, as is the Big 12. But um, having only eight conference games could help hurt your overall strength of schedule. And we'll see if that even matters to the SEC. But, um, yeah. Play play nine. I wish the NCAA would mandate that. Just say we're gonna. You need to play nine in your conference. Mm-hmm. If you're ten or more schools in your conference, you need to play nine conference games. Period. It looks like the next opening for Missouri is 2032. Ironically, I think that's K State's next opening with what they have currently scheduled. I mm-hmm. believe it's Rutgers in 30 and 31. Which, Gene Taylor. Gene, you can do a lot of things here. Uh, Daphne agrees. Thank you, Daphne. Um, but um, I, you inherited all of these. John Curry scheduled this out, which was something he, let's be blunt, he forced Bill Snyder to start playing a Power 5 game in the non-conference because the TV partners demanded it. Why they demand it from the Big 12 but not the SEC to play the same number Correct. Type, type of games. Anyhow, um, and John Curry, uh, ha- there's a sense of just filling with whatever I can find here. Why the hell is Kansas State playing Rutgers? There's no value to either no. program in that. Rutgers doesn't recruit the Midwest and Texas, and Kansas State hardly would ever recruit New Jersey no. and the Upper East Coast. I don't get it at all. That, would it be better if it's a, a, a school with which we have common ground, like a Pitt or a Georgia Tech? You know, I, I I don't know. You can just go down the list. I'm also a fan of trying to find the two-for-one trades with with a group of six conference teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, shout-out to USF. South Florida played Alabama in bad conditions, but gave them a scare. But that's not why I'm giving them a shout-out. It's a two-for-one contract, and they said, but we're going to start with the game here, so you can't cancel it as you rich Bastards do to the mm-hmm. lesser. Okay, we'll play one at home and the one at a neutral site, and then we'll cancel. We'll just buy out the contract and not go to your place. So they said, no, we're gonna. You're gonna come here first, and then we'll do the other stuff. So Kansas State goes to Tulane next year. So it's gonna be fun. That's part of the schedule. That's their non-conference road trip next year is Tulane. I am of the opinion. As we talk big picture with this K-State team, Fitz, after watching the games yesterday, people made it out to be one of the worst slates of games in the last five years for college football. The games. And I agreed pregame. I yeah. agreed. 
And they ended up being amazing. Okay, let's just throw that out there. But after watching those games, I, I, I got this, and this is what I was been thinking about, and I, and I wanted to get to this in the second half. Florida beat Florida beat Tennessee like a drum. The same Florida team that got destroyed by Utah. Right. Okay. Tennessee, top ten team. They have a loss. Georgia, the number one team, everybody's favorite to win the national championship again, losing at home as a twenty-eight point dog to South Carolina. They lost. They they, they were losing. Yeah, they were losing. They won. They ended up winning <clears throat> at home. Okay, so a close win. Kansas. I don't know if very many people saw this or not. They were in a dogfight with Nevada. It was bad. It could They could have easily lost that game. The same Nevada team that was 28-point dogs and is widely regarded as one of the four <clears throat> worst programs in all of FBS. They're bad. They were bad. They had a they legitimate chance to beat KU. Okay? Colorado State, 28-point underdogs on the road at Colorado. Everybody knows what happened with that game. Should have won. You have Kansas. Or you have K-State losing to Missouri, obviously. Also, you brought up Alabama, 10-3 to in the fourth quarter. Did they end up pulling away? Yes. The reason I say all of that is to say it is week three. Teams are almost losing as four touchdown favorites. That doesn't even bring up Iowa State losing on the road to Ohio of the MAC. Cincinnati losing at home to Miami of Ohio of the MAC. And, of course, South Alabama beating Oklahoma State. So Drilling. Killing them. Shout out Michael Smith. So I say all of that to say this, Fitz. Whatever K-State wants to do, they have the rest of the season to do. I didn't even bring this team up. Texas, 10-10 to in the fourth quarter at home against Wyoming. You think Texas is all big and bad? Guess what? Wyoming, they didn't care, and they gave them a fight. I know there's no moral victories, and I know you just have to survive in advance, as the great Jimmy V said. But there's no team on this schedule that K-State can't compete with and can't beat. Right. And I wish and I cannot wait for the expanded college football playoff because these are the types of games that actually make teams better with the expanded playoff. The odds of K-State getting to be one of those final four teams at the end of the season was always slim. They have to run the table, essentially, to do that now. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Probably. Very rare that two lost teams make the playoff. Well, I'll say this. Uh, But before you finish your thought – that would normally be true with this with K State losing. If Missouri goes on to have a really good season, the nature of that loss being in the SEC, maybe they get around it. But I agree with you. Go ahead. If you have when you have the expanded playoff, that's what people say. The games don't matter as much, but that's what makes it so much more interesting because now that loss, K State players are feeling completely different. K State players say, "Okay, we actually this is an okay loss to have. We needed to feel this to become better." They still feel like they can win every game. And it wouldn't shock me if K-State goes to the Big 12 championship game. This team is more talented than they were last year. There is a lot of talent on the field. They're still trying to figure it out. But, again, this week of college football showed me that there is not one dominant team. There might be. Georgia might be that team. But every single team is beatable. Now, with that being said, the counter flip, the flip argument is K-State is beatable too, obviously. But – I mean, if you're a K-State fan, just take all of that information for what it's worth and say and use that as a reason, A, to still support this team and still have some hopes because there is a lot that can still go right. I know our boards are and our boards are kind of negative right now, as to be expected after a loss, um, but there's a lot in front of this K-State team. I agree. I 
I don't know, man. I, I don't know what happened this weekend. I love it. I love it. Hold on. I went to check uh, a score real quick because uh, there were so many games that were of interest to me uh, in what took place last night. But one just really jumped out at me, and not because the team's any good and they lost at home. Um, none of that. I, I, I'm trying to get the right verb here. So look this phrase up at your own peril. This is not a G-rated reference, but Fresno State mm. went into Tempe mm. last night and hot carled Arizona State twenty to nothing, twenty-nine to nothing, twenty-nine to nothing. Fresno State has put themselves in the conversation for the playoff because they're this is their second win. I can't remember who else they beat. Off the top of my head, let's look that up. Oh, hell, I can't find it. They beat someone else earlier this year of, of substance luck. Uh, Cole, I want you to, as we wrap up here, I, we're going to talk about Saturday's game real quick after this, but um, Cole, Purdue, I, Purdue, by the way. Yeah, Purdue, who sucks, mm-hmm. but still they're racking up wins. Great scheduling to get Purdue and Arizona state, two power five programs that stink and you kick the crap out of them. Um, are we seeing impacts of the NIL good and bad? Someone posted um, on my, my Twitter machine, and there's lots of reference. This game was decided by the NIL. And yes, without the NIL, Luther Burden's probably at Alabama or something. Correct. I, I'm, I'm, I'm into what you're saying. I get it. But I also think as you look at Alabama and you look at Oklahoma State, you look at these programs that have every advantage over teams that they just struggled or lost to. I think the NIL, as much as it can bring you more talent, can also completely destroy your locker room and your culture because now kids are signing with you not because, hey, hey, I'm all in it for the Crimson Tide or Pistol Pete. What's in it for me? That's a different mentality than college athletics has ever had, and it's a mentality the coaches have never had to manage. And I think some coaches, and I am talking about Mike Gundy in this, are not adjusting to the NIL period within their own locker rooms. And I think it's being very costly to some programs. While some programs are getting kids that um, benefit their program tremendously, like a Luther Burton. Mm -hmm. Also, they're getting kids that probably aren't great in the locker room and aren't great teammates and have some dysfunction to themselves that disrupts the locker room in unknown ways for these college coaches. But the other side of that is... Avery Johnson to Kansas State had a value that exceeded the value of other schools. Avery didn't pick a school based on the NIL, but Kansas State was able to make an offer, whatever that was the NIL collective came up with, that said, Avery said, yeah, I'm going to stay home. I mean, I'm not picking you because you know he wanted to come to K-State, but I mean, he wasn't going to turn down a million dollars from a school if K-State said, we're going to give you a 20 bucks and some pizza coupons. <laughs> so there, there's a really disbalance being Created here by the NIL. Spencer Sanders left Oklahoma State to be a backup at Ole Miss. <clears throat> That's, that should tell you all you need to know. That's a very good point. That is my comment on the NIL. And then you look at the quarterbacks that Oklahoma State has. I know this isn't an Oklahoma State podcast, Fitz, but I have to say this. Gunnar Gundy gets four series. Alan Bowman gets four, seri- four series. Garrett Ringel gets four series. That is how they split up their reps of the quarterbacks in a game. 
four series a piece. That's impossible. What 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 do you do? This isn't a baseball batting order. Well, you know the old adage that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a good one, and they have three. But I think Arizona State would take um, Oklahoma State's quarterback situation. Arizona State's now played four quarterbacks this season. They've all been awful. And one of them was rated higher than Avery Johnson, but that's none of the That's business. funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, at some point last night, I think it was their first 10 possessions that ended with seven turnovers. <laughs> pure, pure comedy. So if you think K-State's bad, if you, if you are upset about K-State this morning or on Monday morning when you're listening to this, when you were listening to this on your drive to work, your favorite program is going to be fine. Absolutely. The history of this coaching staff is whenever something like this, Tulane last year, Arkansas State, the pandemic year, they've learned from it and benefited from it. They've they've said, okay, what went wrong here? What can we correct? This will be a much better football team for what happened in Columbia. No. Would it have been maybe the same results if they'd won that game? Yeah, probably. But. They will get the corrections in place. The guys on the back end will be better of that defense. The running game will get going again now that they apparently are going to have their offensive line back together. And we might see Avery Johnson quite a bit in this UCF game. And I'm in no way calling for him to be the permanent quarterback. I'm, that's not what I'm doing here. Will Howard's the dude. I'll take him to war mm-hmm. any day, particularly if he's healthy. But he's not. We don't know the situation there. And they'll play coy all week, but I think we're going to see Avery for most of the game on Saturday against UCF. Agreed. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm already excited for that game just to see how they bounce back because I think those guys are going to be ready to play. 7 p.m. kick at the Bill. Congratulations to Missouri. A great atmosphere. I'm glad the students had fun. Storm in the field. Uh, Like some people are like policing storming the field as long as it's safe and well behaved and no nothing bad happens it is one of the great things about college athletics so if you're anti-storming the field just sit down and shut up you know i look yeah nfl teams don't storm the field nfl crowds yeah they don't do that you want to know why it doesn't mean as much nfl's great i love the nfl but college football has something genetically in your core that wires you to be more passionate about it thanks for listening to this powercat postgame podcast about i don't know 24 hours late well not quite 24 we're post kickoff time so maybe 23 hours like 21 hours i'm mathing i gotta go i just did math and steam came out of my head we'll talk to you later we got lots of stuff coming this week at gopowercat.com get back on the horse when you get bucked off fans because the ride is still going to be fun. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. 
Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.